After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal! Okay, fellas, we are set to go. Let's go! We are kicking. Watch the blue! Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, baby. Number 47 for Boston. Both guys, five minutes each for fighting! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! Please move it! It's the middle of August, the middle of summer hockey season. We've had the qualification round. We're moving through the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, headed for three more rounds, and the Scouting the Refs podcast rolls on. And boy, oh boy, do we have stories this week, Josh, and from just about every series, I think. I think so. It's It's been a ton of hockey, and it's been good hockey, and not without its share of controversial moments, for sure. It, it has been good hockey. Let's pause on that for a second. It's been really fun and enjoyable to watch all-day hockey from noon until midnight or later, sometimes in the Eastern time zone. And these games, in, especially in this first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, they have been super fun to watch. They have. You know, the, the first round is probably my favorite round of the playoffs. I, I love as things tighten up and, and the stakes get higher. But in that first round, you, you've got the upsets. You've got the crazy action. You've got a lot going on. And you've just got so many games. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And this spread-out schedule has been amazing in that you know everybody's taking in one game at a time here and we're all in on it so it's it's been a lot of fun and I'll be honest with you Todd as as great as this is I don't know that I'm missing the crowds right now I'm I'm really enjoying the hockey that much that I don't notice that's a very good point I think the the way they've dressed the set to to cover the seats you just it takes it out of your mind and it's not a visual distraction I, I that's a really good point in that you're you're just focused on the games on tv and this is how I'm watching it that's a really good point it's been a lot of fun I think the NHL's done a, a super job and the teams save for a few folks who might not be quite as into it without the crowd there but I think that you know the teams have that right level of compete and, and they're all in now you know if if it wasn't there in the round robin portion, that qualifier and certainly the first round has that level of compete all the way up. The Scouting the Rest podcast is powered by Team Stripes. Go to their website to check out officiating equipment, training tools, cool apparel, and much more. The website is goteamstripes.com. If you've got questions, hit us up via email. Hey, ref. At scoutingtherefs.com, we did have one sent to us that we'll get to in a little bit. And of course, follow us on our social media channels. To follow Josh, it's at scoutingtherefs on Twitter and on Instagram. To follow me, it's at Todd Lewis Sports on both Twitter and Instagram as well. So, of course, we will talk about calls that were made, calls that weren't made, fines that were levied, fines that were not levied, and a few other things as well. Before we go too far, though, Josh, I do want to acknowledge Kevin Pollock, who was participating in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and unfortunately, though, will not be back for the playoffs because he has suffered an injury, and it's really a shame. It, it really is. He's one of the league's top officials, the guy who's worked more playoff games than any other active referee working right now, and he took a puck to the face, thought it was something he may come back with. We'd heard 15 stitches and some lost teeth, but it looks like a, a fractured jaw also accompany those injuries there. So he's out for the remainder of the playoffs, unfortunately, and unfortunately for the league because he is one of the league's best guys, and it'll be a bit of a loss there from the officiating standpoint to not have him in the rotation. And we do want to get to a couple of other things. Max Pacioretty was fined for some stick work. I find it curious, though, that Max Domi of the Montreal Canadiens did receive a penalty 
for an infraction against Kevin Hayes, did not receive a fine. He got called for hooking, but it really should have been spearing. Yeah, it was uh, it was the stick, but a hook goes the opposite direction. This was uh, <laughs> this was going towards him as he crossed the blue line. It was it was an ugly spear to me. I know there was not a significant injury on the play or anything like that. But spearing is one of those penalties that's it, it's it's an infraction that's very dangerous and one of the ones that I would not object to it being called and enforced a little more tightly. Uh, to me, this this was a spear, and a spear that makes contact is getting you five minutes. Yes, and there, as mentioned, there was no penalty for spearing, but as always, the league looks at infractions and situations in games, whether there was a penalty called or not, and will perhaps at times apply further discipline. But there was no fine levied to Max Domi. And I think that it would have been appropriate just to slap him with a fine for a few bucks to say, you know what, this is not tolerated at all. That's exactly it. It's one thing from the official standpoint, if maybe you missed that it was a spear, you saw that there was some stick work, you didn't see the severity based on where you were positioned. I get that. But from player safety standpoint, when they get to look at it via video review and, and they can see what happened here, $5,000 $5,000 is not going to be much for Max Domi, but it's still going to send the message that you can't do that. And, and I think that would have been helpful to see and just to reinforce that we're not going to let players do this. I know the monetary amount is not consequential, but I think the message is. We do want to get to your questions. Hey, ref at scoutingtherefs.com once again is the email or through our social media channels. You can hit us up. I, I want you to kind of run through this one and set it up a little bit because it's a unique situation that we were asked about in the Calgary and Dallas series, which has been pretty tremendous to watch. It was a unique situation where a double minor penalty was called and the question emailed to us out of curiosity with the double minor called with the Flames still get a single minor penalty if a goal was scored they would that's that's exactly how it works it's it's not treated as one penalty it's treated as two minor penalties when it comes up and the nhl rulebook covers that in 18.2 they say when a double minor has been signaled by the referee and the non-offending team scores during the delay one of the minor penalties will be washed out the penalized player will serve the remaining two minutes it still gets booked as a double minor penalty but only two minutes are actually on the clock there so that's exactly how it works and makes a lot of sense to me yeah, similar in a sense, I guess, to if a team scores while there is a double minor infraction, one is wiped out, but the other remains. Right, right. For for penalty and scoring purposes, you really treat them as two separate penalties. So I think this is one example where the rule book is entirely 100% logical and makes perfect sense. And there's maybe some others that don't, and we might get into that a little, <laughs> <Right>. bit, la- <laughs> a little bit later on as well. Now, I noticed a couple of other situations in in the games with the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars because I've been watching this series a little bit. In game four, Jamie Benn goes crashing into the crossbar of the Calgary goal. I was afraid that he was going to bend the crossbar. He went into it so hard. The goal that he scored on the play counted. A pretty simple ruling here, though. The puck crossed the line first. The net was not dislodged at the time, so it is a good goal, correct? That is correct. And and there's a little leeway there, too. If the puck had already been shot and hadn't crossed the line but would have as the net was coming off, there still is the possibility that the goal could count. It just depends on timing, depends on whether the puck had already been released and whether it would have gone between where the net should have been if it weren't dislodged. Gotcha. Okay, another one from this same series. Yep. The Dallas Stars are pushing late in the game, trying to get a goal. And funnily enough, once again, it's Jamie Benn involved, and I guess that makes sense. But Flames defenseman Mark Giordano is defending, and he comes sliding kind of through the crease toward the goal, trying to block a shot or pass attempt from Jamie Benn. 
and Giordano winds up hitting the goal post and knocking the net off. The play was blown dead, and immediately Giordano was whistled for a delay of game. If, it's, if you knock the net off, it's a delay of game penalty. That's that's spot on. It's it's the right call. It's Sometimes, as a defending player, it's a risk you want to take. If you know it's going to be a sure goal, maybe you'd rather take that penalty than, than let the puck get fired in. This is one of those interesting ones, Todd, where the timing of the penalty actually factors in. There's very few penalties that this applies to, but had Giordano done this with less than two minutes remaining in the game, it would have been a penalty shot. Ooh. There's really two situations where if there's not enough time to serve the complete two minutes, it's a penalty shot, and, and intentionally dislodging the net is one of those. So that's one of the, the situations where you, you, you want to know what's on the clock because instead of just giving your team a, a shorthanded situation here, you, you could actually be setting your goalie up to defend against a shot. Wow. Now, how come every penalty that's called in the final two minutes, I don't care if it's hooking, tripping, holding, or whatever, there's not enough time to serve it, then you should you should have to give up a penalty shot that is a very good question <laughs> it's it's funny it's it's really curious though that the league would have opted to to change the circumstances for this one particular situation but not for other infractions and i'm, I'm guessing just the the criteria on how they looked at it impacting the game impacting the play versus a physical foul led to that difference there but i think it would make sense or at least from a discussion standpoint to say well if we're doing it for this one what about for those other situations? Yeah, there's, well, because oh, there's another penalty shot situation we'll get into in a little bit, but it's it just seems that this this would be an obvious, and oh, but the game could go to overtime, and so you would have time to serve the penalty. Yeah, but you don't know that's going right. to happen. So that should it, should, it should be if there's a minor penalty called in the last two minutes, it's a penalty shot. I like that. Hey, it, it definitely changes the perspective of teams who might be more willing to take a, a penalty late in the game out of desperation, you know, trying to hang on to that lead. Well, if, if you know that that infraction might set you up to face a penalty shot, may, maybe you need to be a little more careful out there. Yeah. Oh, I like that. This is the Scouting the Refs podcast. It is powered by Team Stripes. GoTeamStripes.com is the website to check out for equipment, tools, apparel, anything else as well. GoTeamStripes.com. Okay, a few other situations that are worthy of further discussion. And one involves uh, goaltender interference. Vegas Golden Knights appeared to score the insurance goal versus Chicago. But due to goaltender interference, the goal that Alex Tuck scored was disallowed. Riley Smith carried the puck in. He dished off, kept going to the goal as he should. The trouble is he stopped in the crease, and that did not allow Corey Crawford the ability to make the save. The goal was overturned. Now, no penalty was called because the contact was ruled incidental. But... He interfered with the goaltender, so shouldn't it always be an interference penalty? Not necessarily. And in, in many cases, it is. It really comes down to something that the NHL rulebook rarely touches on, intent. So we're looking at situations for a penalty where the attacking player initiates intentional or deliberate contact with the goalkeeper. If it's really just getting in the way or, or preventing the goaltender from playing their position, it's typically called as incidental contact and, and no penalty is assessed. So it's it's really looking at whether the player was trying to get positioning there or, or trying to get in an appropriate spot for a rebound or to play the puck or deflect the puck. 
if he's really going in to bowl over the goaltender or if he's pushing and shoving the goaltender, or we've seen cases even where he's, he's put a glove on the goaltender's head and, and pushed him, that's where you can see some deliberate contact that maybe justifies a penalty. But in most cases, we're really looking at guys establishing position and, and the contact ends up being ruled as incidental. Enough to wave off a goal, but not enough to call a penalty. So is, is this a, an equivalent perhaps to a player who forces another player to skate around him in open ice, but doesn't necessarily set a pick. I think that's a pretty fair equation there, Todd. I, I think it's that cut type of situation. Or when you have you know players jostling for body position, going after a loose puck versus a guy who's taking somebody out and route to the puck and prevents him from even being able to make a play. So it's, it's, more of intent and what's happening, which is a real tough judgment call when we pile mm-hmm. it on with everything else that the officials are tasked with. But but that is where the line is when it comes to a penalty versus incidental contact. Sure. I'm just trying to make the rule book as specific without gray area as possible. And I think that if you if you prevent the goaltender from making a stop because of interference, then you probably deserve a penalty. And I'll tell you, you know, this is, this is a great point that Sometimes fans get frustrated with the officials for a call or, or how yep. a play turns out. And you're spot on. If if the penalty standard changes and the rule book changes to support that, then perhaps you get more consistency in the calls. You might not like the outcome. I mean, look at the double IHF has rules around players being in the crease and the whistle being blown immediately to stop play. Mm-hmm. It's not great for hockey at times, but it's very clear and everybody knows that that's going to happen. So your change might frustrate some folks initially but I, I think the players would learn and I think you'd understand where the standard was and, and maybe that's a good way I think the rule book has plenty of opportunities for cleaning up something to consider in terms of maybe a little experimentation in the days and weeks and months and years going forward okay another hit that I want to talk about involves Charlie McAvoy of the Boston Bruins versus Jordan Stahl of the Carolina Hurricanes that series now has ended the Bruins moving on there was a little bit of discussion, certainly in some cases a bit of outrage, that it was such a, an enormous hit with impact that why was Charlie McAvoy not penalized or facing further discipline? Because it was a clean hit, that's why. That was my take as well. It was a, it was a heavy hit. Unfortunate to see Stahl injured on that play, but I saw nothing there that you'd be calling. And a good, solid hip check that, that came in and... I saw the play, thought it was a clean play, no penalty called on it, and certainly was not expecting anything to be coming from player safety as a result. It, was, it wasn't It was as dramatic as some, but there it was Rob Blake who, who was the best at it. He used to do it up against the boards a lot, but it was, it was it, everybody calls it a hip check, but basically you stick your keister out and pin <laughs> the guy against yep. the boards. Yeah, there were some, there were some good and, and brutal guys who just really perfected it. I think it's a lost art now, primarily, because how hard it is to do it cleanly and solidly. You, know, you miss that check, you're either taking a penalty to make contact with the guy, you're sticking your leg out, or you're missing him completely and you're out of position. So it's a, a lost art, but Charlie McAvoy brought it back, at least for one game. So on further review, no discipline there. I think video review was used perfectly in the Montreal-Philly Game 5 in the hit by Jesperi Kotkaniemi on Bruins' Travis Sandheim. He came across the ice. Sandheim was shooting the puck into the offensive zone, and he stapled him against the glass, faced first. And he, I don't want to say he left his feet, because it's a, 
a silly phrase, but he did kind of move in an upward trajectory and it was clearly a hit that he could have either let up on or 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 not made whatsoever. Kyle Raymond, Chris Lee called a major, they reviewed it and said, yep, that's right, major penalty, game misconduct. I think it worked absolutely perfect. I think it did. I think this is how you want the replay system to work. It's something new that the league has this year for the referees to be able to review a major or match penalty and affirm their call. Uh, they called the penalty, then they reviewed it to make sure that it was what they thought it was with the benefit of slow motion and multiple angles. And remember, this call, once they go to replay, is entirely up to the on-ice officials. While the NHL Situation Room weighs in on goal reviews, the penalty review, in this case, is handled by Lee and Raymond. So it was entirely up to them as to whether the call should stand, which they felt that it should. And I think it was a good example. I know some didn't agree with the call itself. I can see why it was made. And, uh, you, you know, you're right. He was. It was a, a high hit. It was a dangerous spot. And... Uh, to steal from player safety's parlance, the onus would have been on Kotkaniemi to deliver a clean hit on the play. And, and in this case, driving him through the numbers into the glass, he didn't, which replay confirmed and, and the call was made. So big moment, big situation, and, and nice to see the officials using the tools they've got to make sure they were comfortable with the call. The only adjustment I might make in this rule is if uh, the referees in the case, Kyle Raymond and Chris Lee, had reviewed it and decided, you know what, maybe it's not a major penalty they could reduce it. They could reduce it to a minor penalty. But there are just the odd instance where a major penalty is called, but no infraction is is actually made. And I'll cite the Vegas-San Jose three-goal comeback last year as the example. They cannot eliminate the penalty. They can only reduce it. That's correct. And I think the justification for that is that the league felt you're not calling a major penalty unless you feel strongly enough. And and for you to feel that strongly, there had to have been some kind of infraction on the play. You don't right. want to take a guess. And and your point is, is valid, Todd, that it's, it's hard. If you look on replay and see that, you know what, this guy really toe-picked and crashed himself into the boards, the most they can do is pull it down to a minor penalty. They can't wipe it out completely. So I think there are few situations where that might happen, you know, where you've got a guy that picks up a major penalty and you find that there was no penalty whatsoever on the play. Your example is obviously the one that prompted the entire edition of reviewing those match and, and major <laughs> penalty calls. And I'm sure that, that those veteran officials working that game would have absolutely loved to have been able to take a second look at that play. They would have only been able to reduce it to a minor. They wouldn't have been able to wipe it off. But yeah, it's, it's a good point to say, hey, if we see something on a review that tells us this isn't a penalty, maybe we should be able to get rid of it. And in, <laughs> that'll go towards Rod Brindamore's question too. On If you guys see something on video review and we're challenging a goal that isn't what I challenged for, well, maybe you should bring that back up as well. Oh, we're cracking open the box, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> okay, another, another situation in the same game, as a matter of fact, it involves Kevin Hayes, who appeared to have what was a clear breakaway on Canadiens goaltender Carey Price. He was accosted from behind enough by Jeff Petrie that a penalty was called. I don't understand why a penalty shot wasn't called because I was yelling it out at the television saying that's a penalty shot. I was waiting. I saw the official's arm go up. I was waiting for it to point to center. I had the tweet typed up. I was ready to hit send, <laughs> and it didn't happen. I was I was pretty much floored. I was with you, Todd, expecting that it would be a penalty shot on this play. And I, I, I'm still at a loss. Now, you'll, you'll have the rule book interpretation of what is necessary for a penalty shot to be called. But it seems to me 
this satisfied all the criteria. It did for me. I was checking off all the boxes. Uh, the league covers it in 57-3 for penalty shots, and the, the criteria come down to four main points. It has to take place in the neutral zone or the attacking zone. Check that one off. Yeah. Had to be committed from behind, which Hayes was fouled from behind. Yep. The player had to lose a reasonable scoring chance, which he did. Mm -hmm. And the player had to be in control or would have obtained possession and become control with no opposing player between himself and the goalkeeper, which to me, both players were behind him pursuing him and nobody was in front of him on the way to the goalkeeper. So to me, that that checked all four boxes. I know some were concerned that he got a shot off and the league actually addresses that in there. The fact that a player got a shot off does not automatically eliminate this from penalty shot consideration criteria. If the foul was from behind and the player was denied a more reasonable scoring opportunity, they should still be awarded a penalty shot. And to me, that would have been my only concern. It's covered in the book. I don't know why it wasn't a penalty shot on the play. And because we're never allowed to speak with officials, we never will. Hmm. Maybe there's a cure for that. I don't know. <laughs> it would be a nice opportunity for the series supervisor to be able to address that after the game. I don't want to put the officials out there on the hot seat. I, I get that the league wants to protect them, but yep. you know there are some some issues that come up. We know there are certain plays, and even if it's a pool reporter who says, hey, can we get some comments on the goaltender interference call here or the non-call on the penalty shot? I would love for the series supervisor, even if they're not doing a Q&A to all the reporters, but to say, hey, the reason they didn't call that was because they felt a, B, and C didn't justify it on the play, so they assessed the penalty. It's not perfect, but it's a step in the right direction, and I, I would love if the league would, would offer that up. If they just issue a statement, they don't have to even take questions. It's, it's here's the statement about that call. Yep, and I, I know it, it involves admitting that, I don't want to say you're admitting you missed a call, but it, just explaining why the call was made the way it was. It's, it's that education and understanding piece that I think would help here, especially in situations like this where it looks to many of us like hey, that, that really should have been a penalty shot, or, or just trying to understand why the call went the way it did. Or if there was a former referee as an analyst. But that's another story ah. for another day. Okay, <laughs> one, one more quick one before we uh, get out of here for this edition of the Scudding the Rest podcast. A puck can hit a referee or a linesman and remain in play. It does not immediately constitute the whistleblowing and the end of play, even if the results are potentially game-changing. This is correct. If the puck goes directly in off a referee, they're blowing the whistle because a goal can't be scored directly off an official. And if the puck hits the official and injures the official, we're going to stop play as well. But if it plays off a referee or a linesman, it is still in play. So I hate to say that they're part of the arena, but that's how they're treated unless it goes right in or unless there's an injury. So that happened, and uh, I felt so bad for Lieber Suchanik because it looked like a stinger on the arm, and then it, it led to a, a great scoring chance by the St. Louis Blues. And it, it led to a chance, and that, that just happens sometimes. If, it, if the puck bounces in a, in a squirrely kind of way and comes out to the benefit of a, a team in the offensive zone and they get a great chance, well, that's, that's just the way it is. It's no different than when you were playing street hockey as a kid and the slope in the road went one way and you were the beneficiary of a, of a great pass. <laughs> right, you got to take every bounce you can get. And th this is one of those situations, too, where it looked like just based on the angle the Blues player was dumping in the puck he was shooting to dump it in along the boards Suchana gave him the boards he came out a little bit but because of where the player was it, it just worked out that the angle was bad and, and the player ended up hitting the official with the puck so unfortunate break there I mean thankfully for the official you, you know he was hoping Markstrom made the save which he did on the play because yeah. you, you never want to be part of a goal 
but <laughs> yeah, that would that would look odd in the scoring summary, don't you think? Assist to, <laughs> to the linesman or the referee? Primary assist to number sixty, the linesman. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, okay. you, you may as well give them credit, right? <laughs> sure. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm sure that they were doing that or they would have been doing that on the bench as he passed by afterwards. Oh, God. Yeah, that's a that's worth a good ribbing and, and maybe, you know, buying a round of drinks for the the other officials there. But you, you never want to be a part of the play. You, you as a top NHL official, you're doing your best to give these guys the room. And sometimes you, you can't help when they shoot the puck directly at you. All right. OK, that's enough silliness. And and stuff for the scoring summaries but I, I think we covered an awful lot of ground this week the the players and the teams have done a great job in participating at a high level of the stanley cup playoffs they have provided us with a number of different circumstances and game situations again this week and josh i look forward to doing this next week because undoubtedly there will be even more to talk about the scouting the rest podcast is powered by team stripes your source for officiating equipment training tools apparel and more check it out GoTeamStripes.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Scouting the Refs podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Scouting the Refs, Instagram at Scouting the Refs, and visit ScoutingTheRefs.com.